Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a best-selling author who writes about self-love. And I'm pretty sure that you have read one or two of his quotes online before as they get reshared so many times. I think I see your quotes definitely come up on my social media feeds every single day. They're shared again and again. So welcome to the Power Hour podcast, Vex King. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you and to be here. And you, and you. Well, as I said, I've seen your work. I'm sure many of the listeners have as as well because your first book, Good Vibes, Good Life, has been uh, such a huge hit. It's literally been translated into so many languages around the world. Then you brought us Healing is the New High, which again, hugely popular. And now book number three is here. It is out today, Closer to Love. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Yep, super excited. On pub day as well. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you so much. Because it's not, you know, it's not easy. know the process very well um it's it's a it's a strange process isn't it and then and then today's the day i suppose it's out and you get to see people with a copy and and probably i'm sure hearing people's first thoughts and yeah how are you feeling today yeah i'm feeling good i think you invest so much time and energy and it's it's mentally exhausting pouring yourself into a book i can't even remember when i started writing the book but i remember announcing it in august last year so to finally be here, it's like, wow, now people get to read your work and hopefully connect with the words. Mm. So, And yeah. love is such a big topic. And I'll be honest, I kind of mentioned this to you before we started recording. Throughout the years doing this show, I've done episodes about mental health, physical health. I've spoken to psychologists, doctors. I've talked to so many people about so many things and always with the same aim to encourage people to give them actionable tools and takeaways to make their lives better essentially Mm -hmm. you know what can we do each day if it's just one hour or if it's the whole day to yeah to make our lives better and of course something that makes our lives more enriched and purposeful and meaningful are the relationships in our lives Mm -hmm. and love is such a huge topic and I suddenly thought how have I never done an episode talking about relationships and specifically talking about love? So I'm really, really excited to get into it. It's it's such a vast topic and it's... I try to avoid the topic for so long when I was writing my books. After Good Vibes, Good Life, my audience were eager to have a book on love and relationships. It was like the most requested book for me to write. And I said to myself, I know people want it, but I don't want to write about love and relationships because A, I don't know where to start. B, I don't want to put my own relationship on a pedestal because me and my wife, although we've been together nearly 14 years and married nearly five, um, we're learning every single day and we don't always get it right. So how can I then tell people what to do and what a perfect relationship looks like because it actually doesn't exist. And that's when I thought, actually, that's maybe what I could focus on and talk about. And if so many books have been written on love and so many songs and so much literature and so many movies about love, then why do people still struggle with love and relationships? Mm. So maybe there's an opportunity for me here to kind of give my perspectives on love and relationships Mm. and help other people. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, maybe given what you just said, maybe that's part of the problem because there are so much. There's, well, when you said movies, that was the first thing I thought was obviously this kind of perfect depiction of mm -hmm. this romantic love and this perfect love and this true love and this one love <laughs> and I think that potentially is when people get stuck when they think well actually if my relationship or if the way I have experienced love doesn't look and feel like that then this must not be the real thing you know I must maybe this isn't the right relationship maybe we're not compatible maybe I should look for something better something someone better and I think maybe that is actually part of the problem yeah we've just downloaded templates since we were younger a lot of us use templates from disney um you know your kind of fairy tale love stories um the songs the poetry and we expect love and relationships to answer all of our problems and then as we start dating we're kind of underwhelmed i think because when you meet someone new it's all kind of sparks are flying high right and everything seems amazing. You're on this emotional high. And then eventually, after a set time, that emotional high dissipates. And you start to see the humanness in that other person. And when you see the humanness, you feel a little bit underwhelmed. Because you remember the movies. You remember the songs. You remember the poems that you read. Mm -hmm. And you think, love's supposed to look like this. And it doesn't feel like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something wrong with them. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with the whole idea of love and relationships. And now we live in a society where we've got so many options. I call it the, the, the well, it's called the paradox of choice. And you can go on a dating app and you can swipe right and find someone to date. And then when that person doesn't potentially meet your expectations, you can move on to the next person. And people have kind of become disposable now. So if one person doesn't answer all your problems doesn't fulfill you, doesn't feel like the one, then you can go on to the next person and the next person. And we just let this cycle perpetuate of us trying to find the person and fill voids within ourselves through other people. And what we don't realise is actually, instead of trying to find the one, it's about becoming the one and returning home to our own hearts. So then we can discern who's actually right for us. Mm and not try and fix ourselves through other people. Wow, a lot in there. Well, <laughs> you know what, though? I love the idea. I always, I try to think about this, you know, my own relationship, about just what you described then, instead of the other person. So how is this person going to do this better? Or how can this person make my life better? Or how can this person be the extraordinary love story? Mm -hmm. Actually, if you flip that around, as you said, you know, how and you think about yourself in that setting, like how can I make this relationship extraordinary? How can I make this person's life better? How can I? And that's not to say that you are, you know, going to be this selfless or, you know, put, always putting the other person's needs mm -hmm. before your own. I don't mean that. But I think when we look at relationships and when people say, you know, this person should make you happy, they should make you laugh, they should make, they should bring out the best in you, they should support your career goals, they should be a great parent, <laughs> they should be great in bed. There's all these things that they should do, the other, yeah. when actually if we looked at that list, that list of requirements, you know, I want someone this and I want someone like that, and we looked at ourselves and tried to overlay the two, If imagine both people in the relationship are coming to the relationship with that attitude that yeah. says, how can I be the best and bring the best out in them? 
surely that's going to have a positive outcome. Yeah, because if you think about it, we want the other person to fulfil all these needs. They, you know, we want them to be good at sex, be attractive, look after themselves, eat well, um, tend to our needs and so forth. But do we do those things themselves, for, uh, ourselves for them? And I suppose sometimes the approach is a little bit hypocritical because we're looking for someone to be perfect for us whereas we're not willing to be kind of perfect for them. I think it was Esther Perel, who's an amazing psychologist. Um, she said that we're now looking for one person to provide what an entire village used to provide, right? So we're looking for one person to become our therapist, our best friend, um, our shopping buddy, <laughs> share all the same interests. And it's just unfair to place that burden that pressure on the other person to fulfill all of our needs we go into relationships to not only create a partnership but to sustain our independence as well and i think a lot of us forget that because now we think that when we find the one we just merge into them and we just become this unit and we completely forget about our independence and autonomy and I think that's what a lot of modern relationships struggle with. Mm. So on the one side, we're talking about, you know, this idea of perfect love and, and you know, this kind of ideal, uh, idealised, I guess, unrealistic expectations and how everything should be great, great, great. But then on the other hand, I, I read somewhere that you'd written Closer to Love uncovers the reason people settle. And I underlined this and I thought we have got to get into this because I have a few friends who I know will want to dive into this this topic and it's something that I've talked about with them a lot in the last few years mm -hmm. and it's this idea that like you said in the beginning everything's great everything's wonderful you think about the person all the time you want to see them all the time they're the best thing ever they can do nothing wrong and yeah. you just everything's great and the relationship continues and then over time things can change and so I think understanding firstly what is it what are we talking about when we say settle because some people might argue okay this relationship maybe isn't bringing out the best in me anymore maybe this relationship isn't giving me everything that I need maybe you've tried you know to communicate this and it's not getting any better and some people would say well you know what that's just a relationship that's just life you know lower your expectations and just settle and other people would say that's not settling at all that's just real life so I'm interested to throw this over to you Vex to yeah I guess kind of what do you mean when you say settle mm -hmm. and how do people know when it's yeah the to how can people figure out the difference between settling and actually being in a real relationship? Yeah, that's a great question because relationships require hard work. And I think sometimes because of this kind of, I suppose, instant gratification culture where we want our cravings um, fixed right away. Right. And social media is a great example of that we get likes, we get shares, we get comments, and it kind of releases dopamine and it's, you know, activates a reward system. And then it gives us, it makes us search for more and more and more. We want people to tend to our needs right away. And a lot of the time we're not willing to invest in the relationship because we want things to go perfectly. And we want them to go perfectly almost yesterday and not today. But with, with settling, it's almost finding... I think a lot of the time when you're in a relationship and you're constantly overextending yourself, you're going against your values, you're trying to fix the other person and the person that you're in a relationship with is loving you in a conditional sense where it's, I don't love you for who you are, 
but I love what you do for me. Mm. That's where true love isn't being cultivated within a relationship. And the only way you would spot that, and this is why I always return to self-love. I'm going to try and describe it with a kind of an analogy. So just imagine, instead of love, we're going to use water, right? And just imagine that you've got this wellspring of water within you that you can access at any single time of the day. And that water is the purest water available to you. Now, if you were thirsty because you couldn't access that water, you would go out your way and try and find that source of water through other people. You might come across someone and they might offer you alcohol. You might come across another person. They might offer you maybe an energy drink. And that might feel good for a few moments. And then after a while, you might return back to your kind of dull, kind of, you know, ill-replenished self. Now, if you access that water within yourself, you fixed your thirst, you wouldn't go out there looking for someone to fix the thirst for you. But what you'd be able to do is you'd be able to spot people who are able to access that water within themselves. Suddenly, you're using this high awareness within yourself to spot people who are able to love you from the same place of self-love that you love yourself. And that's why self-love is so important, because when you love yourself, A, you get to know like your needs, your desires, um, what you're attracted to, um, what you need, your expectations, and that way you're able to find someone that's truly compatible with yourself. But when you love yourself, you also start healing your heart. And when you start healing your heart, you don't enter a relationship looking for someone else to fix all your wounds. Mm. Because if you're going into a relationship, and you know, this doesn't mean that you should go into a relationship completely healed, because no one's ever gonna be completely healed. But I think if you've started doing the work first, when you go into a relationship, when there's those triggering moments, because all all couples are going to experience conflict, all couples are almost going to bring the worst sides of each other. But in those moments, it's so important that both of you maintain respect with each other. Mm. When you argue and disagree, disagree fairly, if you're disagreeing with aggression or ill intent, it's just going to make the wounds deepen. And then your relationship just heightens the trauma or the wounding that you have within yourself. And that's why I always say it's so important to return home to your heart. Yeah, this idea of self-love, I think, is fascinating because I think maybe there's sometimes a bit of misunderstanding or there's a bit of contradiction where people think that self-love means exclusively and solely self. So selfish, you know, choose what you need, put your needs first. It's got to be about you. And self-love has to almost, you know, other people, it, it kind of, I think there's this contradictory feeling that, well, if I'm giving to others that's not necessarily giving to myself now of course as you said if you've gone on that journey and you've done lots of work to understand what self-love truly is and what and how you define that then I think it also gives you some additional tools in the sense that if you for example if you're working on okay being more self-compassionate to yourself Mm -hmm. being more forgiving of yourself when you make mistakes letting your expectation you know having high expectations for yourself but also accepting that life happens and that you're imperfect you're then able to do that for others Mm -hmm. i think when you're you know what i mean you're able to say 
to yourself, oh, you know what, I made a mistake, and you let it go. When someone else makes a mistake, you're able to go, you know what, it's not that big, big a deal. It doesn't have to become an argument. Or you can say, you know, maybe if you're frustrated in the moment, but learning, I think self-love isn't just about the tools to yeah, better understand yourself and to heal yourself and to feel good for yourself. When you work on self-love and you really, I think it's the word has been taken, I think, out of context or the, the, the words, should I say. And it's become about body image or it's become about, um, like I say, these behaviours and setting boundaries. But I actually think if you really understand and go back to what self-love is, then, yeah, those tools you will that you'll apply to yourself, you will be much better able to apply to others. I think what you've said is absolutely spot on. And I think the best way to just sum everything you've said just there is I think self-love is this deeper acceptance of yourself and it's accepting all the good parts, but also the parts that maybe need a little bit more light. And when you accept yourself, you're better able to accept another person. Self-love often, unfortunately, because it's become kind of this buzzword or phrase, it gets confused with self-indulgence or self-righteousness, mm. but self-love is really attending to your own needs. And there was, I think I read it somewhere, it's a very lovely way to capture the essence of self-love. And it's just remembering yourself in every single thing you do. Mm. Like they say, you can't pour from an empty cup. And what I found, especially with my own journey and within my own relationship is when I've taken care of myself, I'm so much better able to take care of my wife. I'm so much better able to understand her when she makes a mistake because I know that I've made mistakes I know that I'm flawed to some degree that I'm Mm. not this perfect human being and because I've accepted that within myself I can accept it within her too Mm. so another thing that I'd love to talk to you about is change Mm -hmm. now as somebody who I talk a lot about embracing change cultivating change if anything I seek change because in my opinion I don't want to do the same thing year after year after year after year and call it a life Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know spend 10 years or 20 years and and remain the same person I'm the ultimate you know let's let's just look for that one percent not always better but just different Mm -hmm. so as someone who embraces change and who looks for change I have this thought in my mind when I think about love and relationships because sometimes people will say oh, the relationship has changed or the other person's changed. And so in that instance, how can a relationship endure change? Because if somebody does change, not necessarily for better or for worse, but it's just different, Mm -hmm. is the other person, does the other person kind of need to go with them? Or can one person kind of, do you know what I mean? Like seek new things. It might just be something simple. Like let's me think of some tangible examples. Somebody might take up a new hobby or a new skill. And as Mm -hmm. a result of that, they're like, open to a whole new lifestyle so let's say somebody decides they're going to take up surfing or yoga or running and then they become part of this new community of other people that are surfing or doing yoga or running and they've got these new friends and they've got this new interest and the other person is like cool you know what I'm happy for you you enjoy that go and do your thing but then it can become a bit of like you know it can become this whole new world that they're not a part of and that can obviously for some people cause uh, tension and resentment it can become difficult so yeah when there's change because I don't think we should encourage people to, you know, you say your you say your vows, you say your I do, you know, <laughs> I love you who you are today, I'm going to love you forever, but you can't change. You've got to stay the pe- same person mm. you are today. So, yes, how can relationships endure change? change? So one thing is that change that only, changes are only constant in life. So change is going to happen regardless um, of our love for it or not. Um, one thing I just want to touch on is that there's a lot of couples that say, especially when they separate after say x number of years that the person i'm with now isn't the person i got to know right 
And that can happen for a number of reasons. A, a lot of the time we're trying to impress the person that we've, we're with, um, especially when we start dating, we want to impress them. So sometimes we kind of put on this personality. We're scared to be vulnerable. We're scared to show our true side because we think that if we show our honest self, the other person might run away from mm. us. And then after a while, we start to unveil those layers and the other person might not quite align to who we actually are. And that's completely okay. But because change is constant, we are always going to grow in different directions. Sometimes sometimes people will regress. Sometimes people will progress and evolve. Um, The key question couples have to ask themselves over time is, can I accept this person for who they are? Mm -hmm. Because what I've noticed a lot of the time is that over the years, someone, say you got together when you were really young and you enjoyed going to clubs together, enjoyed partying. Over the years, someone might found a new hobby. It might be more to do with wellness. So they might, like me, (laughs) sit like sitting and meditating. Whereas the other person still likes going to clubs and still likes going to parties. There's obviously a difference between both of you. Now, strong relationships will be able to accept the differences because you're both individuals. You don't have to share the same hobbies and likes and just uh, and the things you dislike. You don't have to like dislike both the same things. But a lot of the time, the changes are so vast and so different that some people can't accept the other person for who they are now in that moment. And that's when love doesn't become true. I always say that true love is full of acceptance and not expectation. What I see a lot of the time is that people can only love people if they are a certain way. But true love accepts someone for who they truly are. And that means the new versions of them that are born throughout the relationship over time. The person you're with today isn't going to be the same person you're with in five or ten years' time. What you have to ask yourself is, am I willing to accept that person and the changes that they go through? And I think it's always good for couples to check in to see what's working in their relationship, maybe what isn't working in their relationship, and to just be truly honest with themselves. Can I accept this person for who they are? And are they accepting me for who I am in this mm. pers- particular moment? Yeah, and I will speak very candidly now because maybe some listeners of the show will know, maybe they won't, but I was married for 10 years before I got divorced a few years ago. And so, and I've never spoken about this before on the podcast because just not because it's like a, you know, a private thing and it's just that out of respect for the other person Mm -hmm. and just, as you said before, who am I to be an authority on relationships and whether or not people should end marriages or divorce or whatever. So I've never really talked about it. But given the context of this conversation, I feel like it would be a bit weird if I didn't so yes I was married for 10 years I was in that relationship for 12 years and and we did divorce and I feel like through that process exactly what I've just said about change you know through through 12 years you know meeting someone when you're 19 I was 19 or 20 right through to being you know 30 31 it's a it's a long a lot of change a Mm. lot of change for both of us so I changed a lot he changed a lot so much change happened in life circumstances you know there were some wonderful things happened and also some terrible things happened Mm -hmm. you know that's life right you know things that you can't control within families health illness all these things 
So there was a lot of change. And I often think that people, when they hear that a marriage has ended, they, you know, they'll kind of go, oh, you know, it's really sad or, oh, I'm really sorry. Or, oh, you know, and we think divorce is this terrible thing. And especially, you know, for children, like, oh, it's awful. And and that wasn't helpful at all because I felt like it was, it was, not to say it was a great thing. It wasn't like, oh, this mm. is really happy. But it was just, it was, I guess... It was something that was okay. And I was yeah. kind of like, you know what? It's like a season. That's yeah. how I would describe it. So you might have a friendship that has ended and it's not necessarily ended in a terrible way, but this kind of sun's just set on it. You know, you're no longer, yeah, that person in that place and it no longer works anymore. And I think if more people could maybe when their friend or someone tells them that their relationship's ended or when they tell them that they're getting a divorce. And as I said, I'm not expecting people to say, oh, well, let's pop champagne, yeah. but to kind of understand that actually when, if if it's time for the sunset, if it's time for that season to end, then it isn't necessarily about, you know, that person's changed and they're terrible or you've changed and you're different. Maybe it's just the end of the season and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be almost like doom and gloom and it doesn't have to be, bad does that make sense no that makes perfect sense i think a lot of relationships naturally come to an end i think there was this idea that's been planted in our heads that relationships must go all the way right but nothing in life is is guaranteed and i think the most as important aspect of a relationship is to enjoy every moment with that person and grow with that individual uh one of my friends in the u.s um Tia Mori, she's a you know really big actress out there and she's going through quite a kind of public divorce and she put it quite beautifully in one of her interviews recently she said it's almost like graduating and you know people are like wow like how can you compare divorce to a graduation she's like I've got all these lessons mm. I've gained so much from the relationship the love that we had within the relationship was so pure but now I'm ready to start the new chapter mm-hmm. I think that was such a beautiful way to reframe it because society has conditioned us that relationships ending equals failure, mm-hmm. I think naturally people will be like, oh no, like mm. I'm so sad that it ended because they think that the relationship feels like a failure to you. But what you've just shared now, it was, it was anything but a failure. It was yeah. just a natural progression. Yeah, and that word, you're so right, because people do think that, don't they? That divorce means, oh, it was a failed marriage. And that word failure. But actually, if something ends, doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure. And of course, as I said, it's nuanced. You don't just wake up one day and decide after 12 years in a relationship, yeah. like, you know what, should we get divorced? It is, it is a serious thing and it takes consideration and it takes time. But I ultimately think, yeah, I think if... Do you know what I want to ask you, actually, is how can people, I think, just discover or accept when it is that time because if you're in a relationship and you might feel like we've kind of talked about you know oh, the idea of n- not settling and understanding when you know the, the when the love has changed and when it's maybe the end of the season but I know friends for example who maybe stayed in the relationship for two years three years four years after they felt like that season had ended because of lots of reasons maybe mm-hmm. because of fear maybe because like fear of change fear of regret there was so many things that were kind of hold keeping them there and then once the relationship did end all they could say was oh my gosh I wish I'd done it sooner I just mm-hmm. I just didn't have the I don't want to use the word courage because I think when we say courage it's like you know by by not ending the relationship you're you're I don't know, weak or, but how can people, yeah, I suppose, know when it's a difference between this is a challenge that we need to endure together and do the work. As we said, relationships are not easy and perfect. And when it is time to, yeah, for the relationship to end. I think the brief answer I'm going to give you first, I think, is um, 
are you both committed still to the relationship? Do you still both very much want this? Do you, are you both still growing together? Because a lot of the time, people stay in the relationships for the sake of the relationship. They use the guise of love to stay there. And they're like, oh, I'm doing it because I love them unconditionally. But actually, when you think about it, you can love anyone unconditionally. But it doesn't mean you should be in a relationship with every single person out there. You can love someone that's isn't present in your life people that have passed you can still love them even though they're not present Mm. love doesn't necessarily require presence but a relationship Mm. requires presence and action sorry if i can jump in there but when you said that like oh i love this person are they saying the words because i sometimes think people's actions and words don't match so when you just said then are you committed to the relationship people's words might be committed yes i still love them yes i still want to be with you yes i'm going to make the effort but the actions if the actions aren't matching the words people we've got to exactly listen to the actions it's so true love is they say love is a verb and um Love requires actions that replenish the essence of love. When the feelings of love aren't there, what's left? It's the actions that cultivate the togetherness, the love between both of you. And that requires consistent dedication to the relationship. For anyone that's thinking, you know, I'm not sure if I should be in this relationship, if I should leave... The decision isn't easy. And like you said, no one ends a marriage, especially if it's, you know, over a decade. No one ends it overnight. It's a decision they haven't taken lightly. And you will make the decision when the time's right for you. And although people say, I wish I did it earlier, you know, we're only human, right? And it's it's the, one of the biggest decisions we're ever going to make. And mm. um, the fact that you haven't taken it lightly just shows how much you gave to the relationship, how much you cared. And potentially how much you wanted it to work unfortunately it doesn't always work out so maybe list the reasons why you think you want to stay in the relationship and maybe list the reasons why you think you should leave the relationship so stay in the relationship or leave the relationship and if you're staying because you're scared of the unknown or you're using unconditional love then perhaps actually what you're doing is you're closing yourself off to what else could be out there. I think what I've learned a lot of the time is people say that because you've invested so much time in a relationship, you should kind of see it out. But, it's but, not, but that to me is so bizarre because your life is not a prison sentence. It's no. not, we're not just passing time like, oh, well, you know what, let me just sit this one till the end. Like, come on. Yeah, and a relationship... It's a choice. We forget that. So a lot of the family relationships we're in, you know, we didn't choose who our family our family is, but we do choose which maybe family members that we keep active relationships with. But with romantic relationships, we approach them completely differently, which is also quite bizarre to me. Relationships are a choice and a relationship is based on a partnership, right? It's an exchange of energy. If someone isn't pulling their weight, then that means they're not looking after the relationship. Mm. In the relationship, there's you, there's your partner, and there's the relationship itself. You have to take care of all three. And some people, if you consider your relationship like a garden, some people would will be tending to the garden while their partner isn't, or vice versa, or both of you aren't. And that's a good sign that maybe this garden isn't the right setting for you. Mm. There's plenty of other gardens out there that you can choose to tend with someone that's more compatible and suitable to you. Yes, yes. 
Yes. And I think it's also important to note before we move on that sometimes for a short period of time, maybe a long period of time, one person might support more than the other. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, this idea that relationships aren't perfect and sometimes you're both pulling, you know, 50-50 or 100%, you're both doing the work. And sometimes it might be that one person's got maybe they've got ill health or maybe they've maybe they're grieving maybe they've lost uh, a relationship or maybe they've lost a job maybe there's something going on and they need your support and you're doing you know you're i guess doing the more of the work but then in time i'm sure it will come back to parity and then there'll probably be a time when it's you know reversed and and they'll be supporting you more so i do think you know again it's not going to be parity all the time but i think coming back to that parity is is really important Mm -hmm. but i want to move on because we've talked about settling we've talked about divorce we've talked about these things but i think i want to talk about you know on a more positive note and i guess some more practical and tangible things of how we can make the relationships the best that they can be, how they can be more enriching, how they can be more uh, deep and meaningful and strong and enduring. So what are some, I suppose, practical tools, things we could consider and take away from this conversation that we could try and implement into our relationships to make to have a positive outcome? Okay, so one of my, I think, biggest tips, my wife and I do this often, is schedule time in the week. It could be a week, it could be the month, right? Every single month. And just take time to share what's working in your relationship, what might not be working, where there might be a little bit of a discord. Be willing to listen to the other person. I think holding space for the other person is extremely important. Um, Not judging them while they share so honestly. Um, Letting them speak, not talking over them. And just be completely honest, because if you don't have these honest conversations or these hard conversations, you don't know what direction you're going in. And sometimes I feel like people are together, but they're not necessarily cultivating that feeling of love because love or connection isn't only a feeling, it's work, Mm. right? It requires you to consistently show up. And sometimes couples are together and they almost become flatmates. It's kind of, it's called parallel, it's it's a parallel lives dynamic where they almost live together, but there's no intimacy and that's physical, emotional. They're almost just going through the actions of being together because they've been together for so long. But a lot of the times the kind of, the the, the passion dies down. Um, You're not checking in with each other. And that's why it's so important to schedule one day in the week or the month to just really show up for each other. Another really important thing to do is to ask your partner how they like to be loved. Mm. And this is just beyond like love languages. It's just what do they need in this particular moment? The reason actions are so important is because it gives us a tangible way to experience love Mm. and the way we might have needed love when we were I don't know five years ago and the way we need love now might have changed and it can also change week to week like you said there'll be moments where your partner can't show up fully because they're grieving for example they might have lost someone close to them they might have lost their job they might just be struggling with mental health what does love mean to them in that particular moment? Mm. So I think it's so important to stay curious about what it means to be loved by you to your partner. Yes, I love that. Stay curious, ask questions and be, as you said, honest. Be honest and also be 
willing to listen to the answers. Because yeah. if you ask someone, okay, let's talk about it. You know, how are you feeling? What's going great right now? What can I do better? Or what things did I maybe used to do that maybe I don't do anymore? Or what things would you, yeah, love me to do more? Like if they then give you an honest answer and your reaction is terrible, they're probably not going to give you an honest answer the next time you ask them a question. So yeah. how can people maybe receive the, the, the answers in a, in without, if they, if they, maybe feel a bit I don't know it's probably like you say these conversations can be quite difficult yeah I think it's just it is really the curiosity side I think a lot of the time our ego wants to defend us and our view so if someone says something that we dislike we're very quick to react to it instead of responding we want to say the first thing that's on our mind because we want to protect ourselves sometimes what someone says makes us feel maybe inferior or a little bit lesser than them. Uh, someone might say, I don't like that you're not pulling your weight around the house, for example, or that you don't do the dishes. And our immediate reaction is, well, I've been busy or I've got this on. Do you not understand? But actually asking them what's made them feel that way or helping them understand your situation and your side too, but without being defensive, because that's basically invalidating. If you react Sorry, if you react straight away, you're invalidating their experience of that situation. Mm. They have their perception and you have your perception. And if you want respect for your perception, you have to be willing to respect theirs. So just take a little bit of a pause. And if you do feel yourself going into that kind of fight or flight mode, ready to attack them, then just take a time out. And I think it's okay to say, I just need some time to think about these things Mm. and I'll come back to you later. So can we talk again in maybe 15 minutes or half an hour and I think that's completely okay because bad communication is one of the reasons a lot of couples break up I think it was Dr John Gottman who come up with four bad communication styles and he said they can predict divorce so bad communication is so integral to the closure of relationships yeah and oh gosh if I could share one top tip when it comes to communication in in I think romantic relationships, but actually works well in most relationships, is to, before you have a discussion about something, is to ask or tell the other person what you want and need to get out of it. So for example, let's say you've had a terrible day at work and you are so frustrated with a certain colleague and you've talked about them before and you know this person, you just just can't stand working with them. And you go home and you want to just complain to someone and you just want your partner to listen and support you. So if you say to them at the start of this conversation, listen, I just want you to hear what I have to say. (laughs) I just want to get it off my chest. I just want you to nod your head. Please just tell me that like, just be on my side, be in my camp, be in my team and just tell me that I'm right and this person is just the worst (laughs) just do that for me okay and then you can just tell them if you don't do that your partner might hear what you're saying and they're trying to be helpful they're trying to problem solve they're trying to make your day better Mm. so they're like well you know what you should have said this why don't you do this well you should send them an email and tell them this 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 and this well you this has happened before why don't you leave your job you don't like working there and you and then almost the person gets more frustrated because they're like no why are you making this worse or why aren't you seeing my point of view why are you just making it worse and they're thinking i'm just trying to help i'm just trying to problem solve for you so yeah i think it's also it's just such a simple easy thing to say to somebody okay i really want you to help me solve this problem help me come up with some solutions or i don't want you to fix this i just want you to listen to me please just tell them because they can't read your mind like do yourself a favor when it comes to communication and do not assume that people can read your mind tell them what you need need and then they're much more much more likely to be able to do it i'm i'm, I'm so glad you said this because i'd be the first to admit that 
I've learned a lot from from this kind of situation. So my wife would sometimes share something with me. And because I do a lot of coaching... I you go into coach mode. Yeah, I go into coaching <laughs> mode. And I'm like, well, what about this? Or have you tried this? And what I've realised over the years is I don't need to be a coach in my relationship. I just need to be a husband that listens. Mm. And then what I've learned over the years as well is to ask her if I can suggest anything, if she wants a suggestion... Sometimes she doesn't need suggestions. That's not what she's after. She just wants to vent. She just wants to feel seen and heard. And that's okay. Game changer. Yeah. It's a game changer, honestly. <laughs> I really... wish, if nothing else, take this from this conversation and try it. And I promise you, it will be so rewarding. And also for children or for yeah. teens, you know. My son's 11 now and a lot of my friends, if their kids are teenagers communication with teenagers is a challenge and I feel like again sometimes there might be you know frustration or breakdown of relationships because of this communication so if even in that setting just saying to the person look do you you know maybe your child might be feeling frustrated or angry or kind of venting about something and you telling them that oh I don't know it's not the end of the world Mm -hmm. or it's not such a big deal or they should kind of get over it or they need to be more resilient isn't always going to help and if, in, in often cases I think it makes it 10 times worse so yeah just let it just knowing that they just need to be heard and seen and just just listen without responding yeah because you end up dismissing their feelings and it's almost like okay that's your feelings but and it's like yeah let's forget your feelings so especially with children because they're so impressionable they might grow up silencing themselves and not being comfortable enough to share how they truly feel and they might go into their adult relationships romantic and otherwise not being able to communicate because they've been taught from a young age that their feelings don't actually matter oh gosh oh wow it's so much it's so much because this is the thing parenting is such such a challenge for so many people and they just love their kids and they want to do the best um but you're right i think we all secretly think oh gosh should i be doing more should i push them harder i'm pushing too hard it's this constant constant balance and and challenge relationships. Should I break up with Brad? <laughs> Is Nina good for me? And like, I'm like, I don't know. You don't know I these people. Do, yeah, I don't know these people. I don't know the full context of your relationship. I don't know anything about either of you. And so I don't want to tell you what to do. Yeah. But the person you can trust with that decision is yourself if you get to know yourself properly. Mm. And that's who this book's written for. So anyone in a relationship and you don't 
even have to be in a romantic relationship or even want a romantic relationship. Because I think, again, we've been taught from a young age that we should follow certain tick off certain milestones, I think, in our life. Like we have to get married or we have to be in relationships. But if you don't want that, that's okay as well. Um, But our life is full of relationships, all different types of relationships. And the best way to manage those relationships and show up to those relationships is when we've built a heavy foundation, a strong foundation within ourselves. Mm. Yes, yes, and I agree. (laughs) It's not to say to people that they must want to find the one, or like you said, sometimes we've been told that you're not going to have a true, happy, fulfilling life unless you've got this wonderful life partner, which again, I think that conversation has been has been discussed in depth. In fact, I had uh, Chidira Egaru on this podcast Amazing. twice and obviously she talks uh, so eloquently and so wonderfully and empowering women to think about her book is, you know, her first book was What a Time to Be Alone, which actually celebrates solitude. And I think there's, yeah, I think there's so much, uh, there's, the conversation has so much, is so broad now mm-hmm. about deciding if you want a relationship and also when you want a relationship. But I think I always come back to the idea that regardless of whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's friendships, siblings, colleagues, whatever, I truly believe that having good relationships makes the good things in life great. Mm -hmm. And it makes the really bad things in life better. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. I think everything we do in life is a, a means to an end, which ends in love, I think. Whether it's our passions, our creativity, Everything we do, we do for love. So we have romantic relationships. We have platonic relationships, family relationships. But we have relationship with work. We might have a relationship with nature, pets and so forth. And all of those relationships keep us going in life. Mm. And that's why they're so important to nurture. Yeah, they give us meaning, gives us purpose. Serving others. You know, mm-hmm. I think I read recently about... Uh, Okinawa in in, uh, Japan where there's lots of centenarians so people that live to be over a hundred and they were looking at the reasons why so it might be diet might be lifestyle might be um, you know environmental factors and actually one I think the the kind of conclusion of this study was that it is relationships it Mm -hmm. is purposefulness it's the feeling of because they don't have a word in Japanese for retire, which I thought was really oh, interesting. Wow. So when they reach, reach a certain age, they might stop doing work, but they might be doing other things for the family or the community, and they might work in the farm or they might work in the home. And so this idea that we never retire means that we're always in service of others, we're always needed. And just feeling needed, again, if you didn't have relationships, if there was no one else there, would you have that same feeling, desire to wake up every morning and to live your life? Mm-hmm. But I think that... that, re- that feeling of yeah purposefulness and serving others apparently is the secret to longevity i love that i always go back to imagine if you were the only person on this planet what meaning would your life have then and it's it's it makes me think so much because then it reminds you that it's the relationships that we have that give us that purpose and the relationships don't have to again be just those romantic ones or with people we know it could just be with strangers just having that sense of purpose Mm. but when we return to our own hearts we're able to give so selflessly and i think that's why it's so important to to have self-love first Mm, and do the work (laughs) all right well let's talk a little bit about the power hour so regular listeners will know what the power hour is all about vex it is the first hour of every day and i call it my power hour because 
oh, I mean, it's been so impactful in my life. It's changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so getting up in the morning and deciding how I'm going to spend that first hour, being intentional, cultivating some space in my day has been a game changer. So, of course, I encourage others to do the same. And I love finding out from every guest what they do in the first hour of their day. So tell us about your power hour. My first hour might sound a little bit boring, but I'll, I might extend it a little bit if you don't mind. But I always wake up and the first thought I have is one of gratitude. I always like to think about what I'm thankful for. Um, even if it's just waking up that day, I think it really sets the tone for the rest of the day. And I've been doing that for probably 10 to 15 years now um, and it could be just something really small like I have a little pup um, his name's Tupac <laughs> I've got a legendary name <laughs> yes. and um, he'll jump on the bed sometimes and you know I might be snuggling him and I'm just I'm just thankful for that but as soon as I'm kind of ready I've, sh- I've showered I've brushed my teeth and so forth I always sit and meditate and meditation has completely changed my life so my meditations usually last between 45 minutes to two hours Um, And I don't start my day without meditation. It's been a way for me to ground myself before I start the day. It helps me be more creative, but it helps me to be in this space of awareness where I'm responding to the world around me rather than reacting. And so I can make better decisions throughout the day because in meditation, a lot of the time you're in this state of observation. You're a witness to your thoughts, your emotions, and anything else that kind of comes up and then you can carry that forward on to the day so when you observe things around you instead of acting on your triggers you're able to take a step back and really analyze what's going on and say this is going on if i react in this way i'm giving longevity to the past potentially the trauma Mm. the thing that's holding me captive but if i respond i'm stepping into the future i'm growing so meditations really takes up my my first hour. But after that, before I start work, I have um have a morning playlist. Oh, cool. And I like, yeah, it's full of kind of like feel good music. And all the songs in that playlist remind me of positive memories. Oh, so every cool. time I listen to them, I'm returning to the memories. And that's why when people are like, oh, my God, Vex, like, why are you so happy all the time? I'm like... <laughs> I've listened to some really good songs that have reminded me of some really good times. I love that. That's such a good... Because I was almost going to say, like, oh, what's the playlist? But actually, if it's, yeah, memories from your life and things that have uh, been great songs, reminders for you, yeah. then I guess everyone needs to make their own version yeah, of that feel-good yeah. playlist. I love that. Also, hearing the way you talk about meditation is really impactful. As someone who has never been able to kind of get on board, and I've heard so many wonderful friends encourage me to say, Adrienne, you really should try a bit harder Mm -hmm. to get a meditation practice. I've tried a few um, guided meditations where I've listened to things, breath work I I really enjoyed. But hearing you describe it in that way, I think it was really powerful for me. I I don't know why when you said, you know, 45 minutes to two hours and you're observing and, and you're thinking, I think I would find that a bit overwhelming even Mm. okay regardless of the time let's say just 20 minutes I think maybe that's why you have to do it and practice for a very long time but I think I'd find it overwhelming to think about all the things that I could potentially be responding or reacting to something yeah it's uh, with meditation so what tends to happen with my meditation um is that it'll start me being really mindful so I might have a, a certain thought that comes up and I kind of just like witness it and I, I let it go. 
um, I might focus on my breathing, just breathing in and out. And then I'll just kind of like, almost like go into the distance. And suddenly, and this is going to sound really deep, but you're in a space between your thoughts. So mindfulness is observing your thoughts and your emotions. But the deepest points of meditation is living in the space between two thoughts. So you have one thought and you have another thought. And within that thought, within those two thoughts, there's a little gap and that gap's full of silence and you end up kind of falling into that silence. And that's why my meditations, I suppose, take so long because they feel so blissful, nourishing, revitalizing. But meditation there's so many different types there's vipassana transcendental mantra there's obviously the guided meditations i'd always heard that meditation could change your life right when i was younger i was like everyone's like oh meditation's the best thing ever it's the best medicine it's gonna help you and i feel so good and i remember the first time i sat down and meditated i was just like am i even doing it like what am i doing (laughs) and you just start thinking about like your dinner your plans for the evening and I'm like this isn't working right and I tried so many different methods and the best advice I can give to someone is actually not trying too hard is the secret to meditating Mm. because when you try to meditate really hard you just stay in your thoughts Mm. and your thoughts just start cycling back and forth saying am I doing this right what's happening is this working do I feel good? Oh, I'm seeing stuff. Oh, maybe it's, but it's just your imagination. So I always say, so kind of surrender to the process and just start by just potentially breathing in and counting to one and then breathing out, counting to two, go all the way to 10. But everything with every single breath, just try and keep your focus on the breath as you breathe in and out and just do that. Start with maybe a minute. If that feels good and after a while, it will become effortless because with, as with anything, you know, practice makes perfect, I guess. And you kind of almost condition yourself then to be able to do that really effortlessly. Try two minutes. And if you want, try a little bit longer. But even just literally two to five minutes a day can make such a big difference. And for me, like, it's completely changed my life. You know what is so funny about this, hearing what you're saying? I feel like I said those exact words to somebody a few weeks ago who said I don't like running I really wish I liked running Adrienne I wish I could get into running I hate running whenever I'm a terrible runner what shall I do and it's funny because as you were saying then you know just start start with one minute focus on breathing count to one then two then three that's the advice I gave her I said when was the last time you ran? And she's like, yeah. well, I, I never because I don't like running because I'm a terrible runner. Right. So I'm telling you a whole meditation. But when was the last time I sat down and actually <laughs> tried? So the idea that just start, if you put on your shoes every single day and you try, maybe mm. you run for 100 meters, maybe it's 500, maybe it's five minutes and then you walk home. If you did that every day, I guarantee you're going to run. You're going to be a runner. You're going to do it. So I think it's so interesting what you were saying. I was like, I gave that advice and it's just, I haven't even started. I don't try. I'm saying I can't meditate. When was the last time I tried? Probably a year ago. You're going to try soon though. I am. I mean, honestly, I am. I'm committing it to you right now and to the listeners of this show, join me. I am going to give it a try. That is my power hour tomorrow and the next day and the next day because then at least I can, yeah, I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure it out. Something, like I said, your description of meditation has really landed with me today. So thank you for that. 
All right. Well, it's been so great talking to you. And um, to be honest, I feel like I have got so many more questions. We didn't even get into all of them. So maybe, maybe I'll give you three quick fire ones. What okay, do you reckon? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Quick fire. Question number one. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Okay. <laughs> I love chocolates. And when I'm trying to like lose weight and I'm in a calorie deficit, chocolate's like the worst thing because I've got such a sweet tooth. Okay. I didn't expect that. So sweet tooth, guilty pleasure is chocolate. Question number two. What book are you reading or listening to right now? After okay, all of your writing, is, you're probably not looking at anything. I'm actually not. I'm actually listening. I'm going through my own audiobook just okay. to see how it sounds. Okay. <laughs> it's the first time I'm hearing it. So right. that's a really honest answer yeah okay and then the last question that i have for you is this is not a quick fire one doesn't matter if it's long what is the most valuable piece of advice that you have ever received because i know you give advice to so many others what's one piece that you remember i think it's again i can't remember who said it but it's it's about being true to yourself and um i'm gonna try and remember how this was phrased but it was something like, don't expect the crowd to know more about you and your calling than yourself. And I think, I wish I took that advice on when I was younger because I always felt like I was here to potentially make a difference. I've always been passionate about personal development, growth and helping people. But I followed a different route for for a number of reasons. A lot of the time it was because I wanted to make, you know, my family happy and went to university. But I didn't feel like I fit in there. And I wish I stayed true to myself and what I always felt like was my calling. But because I was listening to other people, I kind of navigated away. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for joining us and being a guest on The Power Hour. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. And good luck with the rest of the tour because I know you're going to be super busy. You're going to be here, there and everywhere signing books. Tell us, of course, the book is available everywhere that you can get books. But yeah, where are you heading on the tour? So I'm doing an event tomorrow um, in London. And then I'm going to be in Liverpool... I'm going to be back in London. I'm going to be in Wirral, I think. So I'm going to be here, there and everywhere. Here, there and everywhere. Well, check it out and hopefully you can go along and get a signed copy of the book Closer to Love. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate all of the listeners of the show, everybody who shares it, rates, reviews. That is how we bring the Power Hour podcast to more people and get more wonderful guests like Vex King on the show. So have an awesome week and I'll be back next week with another episode. See you. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.